0: Welcome to The Awesome Pod Mix, you are listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, When a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker. That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema. Today, I'll be talking about Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Despite what Uncle Maury says, all Marvel movies are cinematic. This film is written and directed by James Gunn. This film's Marvel Studios title sequence has only prominent Guardians moments from the previous films they appeared in. The film begins with a shot of raccoons in a cage. A hand approaches inside the cage to grab a young raccoon. This is young Rocket and he reacts scared. The close-up shot of young Rocket morphs into an adult Rocket. Rocket is on nowhere listening to the song Creep by Radiohead from the Zoom. The song can be heard on the speakers all over. This movie continues the tradition of making the credits of the actors and the head of department technicians appear in the beginning instead of the end. Mantis urges Drax to dance, but he doesn't dance. According to him, only idiots dance. I am one of those idiots. Nebula puts up a signboard in Cree language that reads Guardians of the Galaxy. Rocket tries out the gravity boots upside down. I knew this was a plant that would be paid off later. We see a drunk Peter and how he's still not over Gamora. Breakups are hard when your significant other is dead. Some people are just dead on the inside. Nebula carries a passed out Peter and the other guardians walk alongside. Kraglin practices with the arrow and fails. Cosmo, the space dog, has mastered her telekinesis. Traglin calls Cosmo a bad dog, that's uncalled for. Cosmo says, you take that back, sir. Rocket suggests that Mantis touch Peter and make him happy. Groot misinterprets it and says something filthy. Everyone points out that Rocket didn't mean that and it's inappropriate. I love how a conversation just spirals between these people. Nebula takes Peter to his room and tucks him in his bed. We can see the tape deck from the Milano as the headboard. Peter grabs Nebula's arm in his drunken state and says, I love you, Gamora. Poor Nebula. Everyone preferred Gamora over her. If you ask me, she's had the maximum character growth. Rocket places the Zune on a Bluetooth connector and the song Crazy on You by Heart plays. You can hear the shift in the audio when it connects to the Bluetooth. That's how good the sound design is. Rocket removes a keycard from his pocket, takes a look at it and reminisces. Adam Warlock arrives on Nowhere, attacks Rocket and the other Guardians. Rocket manages to slip away. Nebula grabs her armor and attacks Adam. Nebula manages to get an upper hand on Adam but after a bit, he tosses her away. Root falls on Adam from a top and fights him, but in the end, he's barely left with a head and some branches for limbs. Drax fights Adam, but even he's no match. Even Mantis can't hold her own in front of Adam. Peter joins the fight with his quad blasters, but he's no good drunk. The final blow terribly injures Rocket. Everything was okay in the beginning, but now the status quo has changed. The med packs aren't working for Rocket. The Guardians learn that there's a kill switch on Rocket's heart. If they use the med pack it'll kill rocket in no way is peter gonna let that happen to his best friend drax promptly says second best friend peter never processes the trauma of losing his loved ones like his mom yondu and gomorrah he feels everyone he loves abandons him that's why he's not gonna let rocket die go to therapy, Quill. In the flashback, we see how Rocket was experimented on, the torture that was inflicted upon him and what all he had to endure, how he was numbered 89P13. Rocket is put in a cage alongside Lila, Flor and Teefs. Lila is voiced by Linda Cardellini. She also plays Mockingbird and Clint Barton's wife in the MCU. Rocket is wincing in pain, he says, hurts. This is Rocket's brain remembering his past and finally coming to terms with it. Nebula scans Rocket and figures that they need a passkey to save Rocket. The passkey lies with Orgocorp, a company that made Rocket. Peter reveals that Rocket never spoke about his past. The Guardians decide to go to Orgocorp, get the passkey and save Rocket. The song Since You've Been Gone by Rainbow plays. The High Evolutionary meets Aisha. He threateningly asks her why she didn't inform him about Rocket all these years. Clearly, she wanted to destroy the Guardians all by herself. We learned that the High Evolutionary removed Adam from his cocoon way before time. We also learned that the Sovereign are a species created by the High Evolutionary. I'm guessing all the creatures experimented on by the High Evolutionary weren't dusted during the snap. As the Guardians are breaching the three shields of Orgocorp, Mantis reminds Peter that he does have family back on Earth. Peter complains about how his grandfather yelled at him when his mother was dying from cancer. Mantis tries to reason with Peter saying that your grandfather was trying to protect you. I understand they needed to do this so that Peter felt motivated to go back to Earth toward the end. I could sense it from a mile away that they did all this so that it felt motivated. But it didn't to me. Without informing Peter, Nebula calls the Ravagers to help them infiltrate Orgocorp. Gamora is now a part of the Ravagers. When Gamora spills facts about the High Evolutionary, I was like she's talking about the 2014 timeline High Evolutionary, right? We see in a flashback how Rocket's brain was way too advanced. He was able to find faults with High Evolutionary's experiment and provide solutions to conduct it successfully. I can't believe the pain he hid when Thor was describing how every member of his family died. When I saw that scene for the first time, I was a mess and I couldn't function for days. I am so glad Rocket was alive to help the Avengers build the time machine. I love that Rocket had this exchange with Tony Stark you're only a genius on Earth, pal. It's a good thing that Rocket was there to set Thor straight during the time heist. All of these moments warm my frickin' heart. The song In The meantime, by Space Hawk plays as the Guardians land on the Orgocorp biomatter. Their space suits are a reference to the film 2001 A Space Odyssey. Peter tries to confess his feelings to Gamora but she makes it abundantly clear that she's not the same person. Jennifer Holland plays the woman at the security monitor at Orgocorp. Nathan Fillion plays Master Karja at Orgocorp. Molly Quinn, who plays Nathan's daughter in the TV show Castle, plays a ravager here. Peter bumps into Ricardo Teal as he makes his way to the archives. Peter tries to charm Ura as Patrick Swayze so that she would help him but Gamora threatens her. Peter and Gomorrah get to the archives to retrieve Rocket's file which may include the passkey. The whole setup feels like a reference to Inside Out and the Memory Orbs. On their way out, Peter narrates his and Gamora's love story from Guardians of the Galaxy all the way till Endgame. I like that Peter takes accountability for losing his temper amidst battle in Infinity War and nearly destroying half the universe. Nebula remarks that Peter missed out a few key details, but that's the gist of it. Peter uses the same trick as Rocket's kill, prison escape. He makes the guards in the facility float so they can escape. In the flashback, we learn how Rocket and his friends picked their own names. Rocket's want was always to fly away into the forever with his friends. He gets to do that with his Guardian's family but not with these friends. Aisha wants Adam to interrogate a Ravager to get Guardian's location. Instead of interrogating, he fries the Ravager. In Adam's defense, he's a child and a dumb one at that. Nebula and Peter search Rocket's file and realize that his passcode has been deleted. When Nebula sees the torture inflicted on Rocket, she says, it's worse than what my father did to me. The passkey was deleted by recorder T.U. They put in the coordinates to visit him at counter-Earth. Peter listens to the song, Do You Realize by the Flaming Hot Lips on Zoom. Mantis makes Drax deliver a speech to Peter about Lily Pond and Swimming analogy. All of Drax's lines are his dumbness at its finest. Young Rocket learns that the High Evolutionary will never let him or his friends fly into the forever. As the Guardians enter Counter-Earth, we hear the song We Care A Lot by Faith No More. On Counter-Earth, Peter declares that they come in peace. Drax hits a child with a basketball and as a result, the Guardians get pelted with stones. Peter tries to retrieve the information about Ricardo Teal from one of the families. Peter, Nebula, and Groot borrow the family's car to get to the high evolutionary's lair. Mantis and Drax are asked to stay behind to keep an eye on Rocket. Peter is a terrible driver because he never learned how to drive and he left Earth when he was a child. Gomorrah sends in the coordinates to the same Ravager who was fried. I was like, girl, what are you doing? You are inviting unnecessary trouble. Adam leaves for the Bowie to get Rocket from Gomorrah. Gomorrah finds a Polaroid of young Peter with his mother and grandpa. I knew this would be instrumental in pushing Peter to go back to Earth toward the end. Did it work for me? No. The song I'm Always Chasing Rainbows by Alice Cooper plays as Peter drives through the suburb to the High Evolutionary's lair. Phyla runs in a static hamster wheel in front of the High Evolutionary. In the flashback, we see a young Rocket put back in his cage. Under the litter. Rocket has been collecting scraps. He puts together all the scraps and makes a keycard, which we saw in the film's beginning. He uses the keycard to escape. No wonder he always steals scraps because he knows it'll come in handy later. He's smart. That's why he stole the Analyx batteries in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I love these kinds of scenes where you realize why a character is a certain way. When a young Rocket uses the same key card to rescue his friends, the High Evolutionary shoots Lila in the chest from behind. Lila doesn't survive. Though I knew this would happen, it still shocked me and I was in tears. A young Rocket rushes to attack the High Evolutionary. The High Evolutionary fires to kill Rocket. Instead, Rocket's friends die. Rocket feels responsible for his friend's death. It makes Rocket so angry that he slices High Evolutionary's face and escapes. Serves the High Evolutionary right. Outside at the High Evolutionary's lair, the guards don't let Nebula enter because she is a walking weapon. They only let Peter and Groot enter. Peter calls the High Evolutionary an impotent wag job whose mother didn't love him. The way the High Evolutionary reacts, it feels like it's true. It's subtle, but it's there. Maybe his mom didn't love him. When Peter discloses to the High Evolutionary that the planet isn't perfect because he saw a drug deal going wrong in the alley, the High Evolutionary decides to destroy Counter-Earth. One of High Evolutionary's minions attacks Gamora to get his hands on Rocket. Adam Warlock arrives and attacks that minion because he wants the credit to get Rocket. Gamora tries to save Rocket and flies off in the Bowie. Drax and Mantis have already taken their detour on the motorbike. Adam realises that the planet is cracking, his first instinct is to save Aisha. Aisha gets blown in a blast. Groot drops a bomb killing some of High Evolutionary's men. Groot then removes all the concealed weapons including the quad blasters and shoots everyone. No one could detect that Groot was hiding weapons, it was so cool. Peter takes Recorder Teal and dives headfirst out of the ship. Turns out that the lair was a ship all along. Groot dives out of the ship too. Groot catches Peter mid-air and provides the necessary wings to fly and land safely. Groot spreading his branches as wings was really nice. Still, Peter and Groot crash land. Recorder Teal doesn't survive. They extract the passkey from Recorder Teal's head. When Nebula sees the ship leaving, she and Drax and Mantis get on the High Evolutionary's ship. They thought they needed to save Peter and Groot. I knew this was going to happen. I knew there was going to be a confusion. Nebula blames Mantis and Drax for leaving Rocket all alone on the Bowie. Mantis points out that Nebula always finds faults in others. That's because her father Thanos always found faults in her. Mantis is aware that Drax is dumb but he's the only one who doesn't hate himself. He's stupid but at least he makes people laugh. I like that now Mantis is fully expressing herself. Gamora crashes the Bowie near the water stream where Peter and Groot landed. Peter uses the passkey to save Rocket. Rocket's heart almost gives up. Peter uses the med pack again but it doesn't work. Peter performs chest compressions to bring Rocket back to life. Rocket is in a state of limbo. He sees a white light and his friends living in the skies. It's their version of living in the forever. He wants to join them. Lila agrees that he can but now is not his time. I was not expecting Lila to say that he can join them. I was pleasantly surprised when she said that now is not his time. Subverting expectations, baby. Lila says, There are the hands that made us and then there are the hands that guide the hands. My beloved raccoon, this story has been yours all along, you just didn't know it. Rocket comes back to life, the guardians hug Rocket. Too emotional, too many tears, I couldn't just handle myself. On Nowhere everyone is playing cards. We see certain characters make a cameo who appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. The kiln-prison inmate Howard the Duck and the Broker. Cosmo shares the story of how the Soviets sent her into space knowing she wouldn't survive. Cosmo has still not moved on from Kraglin’s comment that she's a bad dog. You take that back, sir. Rocket notices that Nebula's coordinates are showing on the screen. Peter tries to contact Nebula on comms. Nebula breathes a sigh of relief knowing that Rocket is alright. The guardians on the bowie punch in the coordinates of the High Evolutionary's ship. Rocket is done running. He's not scared to go back to the High Evolutionary's ship to save his guardian's family. Gamora hands over the Polaroid of young Peter with his mother and grandpa. Peter puts up the Polaroid on the ship's deck. Nebula, Mantis and Drax find some children in cages on the High Evolutionary's ship. Nebula and Mantis don't understand their language, but Drax does. Kraglin is asked to pilot the ship and join the fight against the High Evolutionary. Kraglin tries to use Yondu's arrow to save people on Nowhere when High Evolutionary's creatures attack. Cosmo steps in and saves Kraglin and others. Kraglin sees a vision of Yondu advising, Use heart, boy. Kraglin finally manages to use the arrow successfully. Kraglin even takes back his words and calls Cosmo a good dog. He was just being a jerk initially. Nebula, Mantis and Drax are surrounded by obelisks. They don't feed on humans, they feed on batteries. They are also the high evolutionary's creation. Mantis uses her empathic powers to calm them down. Peter plays the song No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys to an epic single take Climactic Fight. The shot here is fresh and inventive. It includes a couple of great callbacks, Rocket on Groot's shoulder, Gamora slicing the creature with her sword, and Groot extending his branches to kill the creatures. Peter and Rocket try to rescue all the higher life forms on High Evolutionary's ship. Cosmo the space dog uses her telekinesis to bridge the gap between the High Evolutionary's ship and nowhere. Now that's a great dog. Rocket encounters a bunch of young raccoons and other animals in cages. He reads the label and it says Raccoons. Rocket uses the same key card to rescue these raccoons. The High Evolutionary arrives at the scene. He calls Rocket an abomination and by the subject name he gave him, 89 9 p 13 Rocket says the epic line, I am Rocket Raccoon. Rocket has finally come to terms with his past and accepted himself for who he is. Gomorrah peels off the High Evolutionary's face. It's a literal face-off. Rocket spares the High Evolutionary's life because Rocket is the frickin' guardian of the galaxy. The peeled off face of the High Evolutionary invokes the same imagery as Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. Peter returns to retrieve the fallen Zoon which makes him freeze in space later and bloat. Because Rocket saved Adam Warlock, Adam Warlock saves Peter. According to Groot, everyone deserves a second chance. Gamora acknowledges that Peter and other Gamora must have been fun. Peter says like you wouldn't believe, because she doesn't believe. Gamora now understands Groot. Groot has had fun fighting alongside her. Gamora leaves with the Ravagers. Gamora's relationship with the Ravagers didn't work for me because it all happened off-screen. Gamora chooses to not be with her sister Nebula, who tried to include her with the Guardians family post-Endgame. It's a good thing Peter and Gamora didn't get back together because she's a completely different person. Gamora is not incapable of making new connections. She did that with Groot toward the end and she did that with Ravagers, which was all off-screen. It doesn't work for me. I had this crazy theory that were these Ravagers with Gamora from the 2014 timeline? Of course they weren't. Peter wants to go back to his grandpa on Earth. Like I said before, I don't like the way they reach here. Mantis wants to leave and discover who she is along with her obelisks. Drax wants to leave with Mantis because he wants to protect her. She doesn't need your protection, buddy. Nebula wants Drax to help her with the kids they rescued. Drax was never supposed to be a destroyer. He was always supposed to be a dad. Peter appoints Rocket as the captain of the Guardians. Earlier, they always fought about who the actual captain was. Everyone gives Rocket a Ravager salute. For the first time, Groot says something other than, I am and we are Groot. I love you all. According to James Gunn, the audience have started to understand Groot as well. One of the hybrids, Lampshank, is voiced by James Gunn, Warpig was voiced by Judy Greer, and Howard the Duck by Seth Green. We see Peter Zoon in Rocket's hand with a note from Peter. I went in and got this for you, Pete. Rocket scrolls down to the 2000 playlist. He plays the song Dog Days Are Over by Florence Plus The Machine. Groot dances. Rocket joins in. Even Drax and Nebula start to dance. They are all dancers now. Peter returns to Earth and meets his grandpa Jason Quill. That's where Peter got his middle name from. Peter Jason Quill. Peter Quill and Jason Quill hug. The end credits begin. The background contains Polaroids of all the prominent moments of the Guardians from all their previous films. It gives a sense that the background is moving unlike the foreground does during the end credits over a black screen. Mid-credits scene. The new lineup of the Guardians includes Rocket, Kraglin, Cosmo, Phyla and Adam. Groot is King Groot now with that crown. Rocket plays the song Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. It's the same song that kicked off the Guardians trilogy. It's only fitting to culminate the end of the Guardians trilogy with the same song. Cosmo says, On your word, Captain. When all of them are set to attack, Rocket replies, Word. I love that. James Gunn thanks all the fans. That's written in text in the credits. post credit scene. Jason Quill is busy reading the newspaper. The front page has a write-up about Kevin Bacon's abduction. Text on a white screen appears. The legendary Star-Lord will return. I liked the culmination of most of the Guardian's arcs. I felt Adam Warlock didn't have much to do. Maybe he will in the upcoming movies. I love how James Gunn manages to balance humor in a very serious scene. I think he's a master at his craft. I know the film showcased Rocket's backstory, so we did get to see a lot of young Rocket raccoon, but I still missed Adult Rocket for the better part of the film. Bradley Cooper has done a phenomenal job voicing Rocket. Kudos to Sean Gunn for doing all of Rocket's mocap work. I am Grooting with a Ravager salute. What a journey for the Guardians, for James Gunn and for the audience. I am Groot. You can listen to The Awesome Pod Mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. If you like what I am doing, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash awesomepodmix. Thanks for listening.